Hey, welcome to the Create a Life That Is Beautiful podcast. I'm your host, Letitia Ridge, and this is the space to be for high vibe people looking to create a beautiful life and business. Let's do this. Welcome back to the podcast, my beautiful friends. I am Letitia Ringe, your host. And as always, it is such a pleasure to be here with you all today. Today on the podcast, we have a very special guest. Her name is Jamie Hogan. Jamie has a diverse spatial and policy skill set, having worked across architecture, urban design, and strategic planning in government and private organizations around Sydney. Jamie has designed and delivered sustainable solutions in bespoke residential architecture, prepared complex structure plans to guide inner city renewal in some of Sydney's most recognized centers, and prepared strategic plans and policies for local government. Jamie is actively involved in the Planning Institute of Australia, supporting the Institute in preparing policies and campaigns for climate change, building sustainability and social issues. Jamie has also chaired the education subcommittee for two years, creating a fresh program of continuing education and development for planning professionals. Jamie is also a qualified yoga and meditation teacher, and she also curates workshops, courses, and public classes to offer the community regenerative well-being practices grounded in traditional yoga and Ayurveda and emerging behavioral and neuroscience. Jamie's work supports her belief that urban professionals must own their duty as custodians of the built and natural environment to create environmentally sustainable, equitable, and engaging places for all. She knows that this kind of leadership takes a resilient mindset and rhythmic well-being that is deeply attuned to place and practiced in community. Jamie founded her business Place Philosophy in 2021 to bridge the gap between leadership, education, well-being, and regenerative practices. Okay, everybody, I am so excited for you to meet Jamie and to be a part of this fascinating conversation that we're having all about regenerative leadership today. We're going to be talking about leadership through a lens that you may have never thought about leadership before. And this is really important, not only for the leadership that you play in your personal life and community, but also for your business. We're going to talk about the conditions to thrive versus survive through a regenerative leadership perspective, as well as Jamie's top tips for implementing a more regenerative version of leadership into your life and business. We're also going to talk about what supported Jamie most as she birthed and validated her signature mastery of regenerative practice program, and also her top tips and what she's learned balancing business with a busy leadership role. And as one of our holistic business mistress mind clients, Jamie is going to tell us all about how the holistic business mistress mind supported her as she both validated her signature program and grew her amazing business. If you'd love to put your name on the wait list for my signature mastermind, the holistic business mistress mind, you can go to LetitiaRinge.com forward slash mistress mind, and we'll be in touch as soon as a new place is available. If you are looking to validate a signature offer for your business, which means sell a signature offer offer for your business. I have a program called validated that is now available. You can head to LetitiaRinge.com forward slash validated to find out more about that program. And that will help you as you validate a signature offer to 10K for your business, which means that you'll then have a validated process for marketing and sales and also delivering your signature program, which you can then go on to easily grow. Now I'm super excited for you all to be a part of this conversation today because of every Thing that we talk about. And also because Jamie is a really great example of someone who has a business that she wouldn't necessarily call a coaching business or even a healing business, or maybe even a consulting business. And why I love this is because the principles of holistic business can really be applied to any business that you want to apply it to. Now, obviously in my marketing, the way that I message my business, I talk and speak to and identify coaches. This is because if I speak to someone and give really specific examples to that specific specific subset of people, I'm able to be way more powerful in my messaging. But that doesn't mean that it is exclusive to only coaches. So you may not resonate with the title of coach 
healer or even consultant, but you might resonate with my work and my approach to business. And I want you to know that most of the time I will be able to support you as you grow your business too. So if that's been something that's been holding you back, make sure you just simply get in touch like Jamie did and ask the question, does this, is this a good fit for me when my business is a little different to the types of businesses that you've been talking about? And I also just want to mention that there was a very long part of my business journey where I really resisted using the title of coach for my own business because I didn't want to squeeze myself into a box about what I thought a coach needed to be. However, there was a moment where I realized actually, I get to create my own definition of what a coach is. I get to redefine coaching. And if I allow myself to actually call myself a coach, then I can actually shape what other people's perception of a coach is. So I now use the term coach to define myself, but I also know that it is not all of who I am. I'm also a creative. I'm also a leader. I'm also a business owner. I'm also a human, a woman, all of these things. And all of these titles that I use shape the way that I show up for business and that I teach business. And none of them can fully encapsulate who I actually am or who you are at your essence. And so I just wanted to speak to this here and just remind you that you don't need to let titles be an obstacle to getting the support you need, whether it's with me or whether it's with any other coach, business owner or provider out there. All right, my beautiful friends, without further ado, let's dive in and meet the wonderful Jamie. Hey, Jamie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Letitia. I'm super excited to be here today. I am so excited to be chatting to you today as well. Thank you for coming on. So to get us started, can you let our beautiful listeners know a little bit about you and your business? Yeah, absolutely. So my background actually began in architecture and urban design, and I took a really ecological approach to architecture and urban design. Um, I've always really cared about the environment and sort of making sure that our impact on the planet is, um, you know, one that's positive, not just less bad. (laughs) And as part of my um, career in architecture, I became really stressed out and burnt out. And as a result of that, I fell into um, a meditation practice and then trained as a yoga therapist on top of that as well. And so my passion, um, which has come together in my business, Place Philosophy, is really about weaving these two worlds together. So, you know, the the framework, which is yoga um, and a sort of yogic philosophy is a really beautiful and actually regenerative framework and a way of looking at um, how we're designing our cities and how we're actually creating our communities and our cultures around regenerative practices as opposed to degenerative practices. Yeah, so in Place Philosophy, um, we really look at a sort of educational slash coaching program. Um, We we take people through a four-stage process where we focus on regenerative well-being, regenerative um, design, regenerative leadership, and then last of all, regenerative dharma. So what is it that you as an individual will be bringing to the world and how can you help your community wherever you are at right now? Which is really cool to sort of see all of the different parts of myself start to come together in one holistic business, I suppose. Oh, I love this so much. So I also really love what you said. Um, posit- we want it to be positive, not just less bad. Mm. Can you tell it? Can you just speak a little bit more to that? Yeah. So I suppose when you're talking about a, you know, a system that is degenerative, obviously what is happening is that the system is starting to collapse or um, become sort of lacking integrity anymore and it's actually needing more and more input to be able to keep running so you might see similarities in the way that we're currently operating our energy as a society or um, you know if if anybody's ever struggled with something like um, an addiction you know that can also be a degenerative habit where we need to continue to bring more resources in again and again as we move to a more sustainable way of being or a sustainable system we're actually matching the amount of energy in with the amount of energy out. 
but it doesn't necessarily mean that we're um, regenerating ourselves. Like we might just be able to be making ends meet. Mm. And you can kind of maybe compare this to somebody who's suffering from a burnout at work or something like that, where they're, or like they're just about to hit burnout. So they're not quite in the degenerative stage, but they're actually um, just sort of propping everything up and keeping everything going together. And it doesn't really feel like there's a, a stable system happening there. It's kind of a little bit volatile potentially. Mm. So what we want to do with regenerative is actually go beyond, um, yeah, go beyond just sustaining what we're doing. Because, you know, if you think about the world um, scale or like a global scale with our dominant cultures at the moment, the way that we're practicing is really about continuing to consume from the environment and not really replenish or give much back. And so when we move into a regenerative way of being, what we're actually then saying is, oh, we can actually be really creative, like in collaboration with nature and in collaboration with the energy of the world around us. So we're not just taking all the time, but we actually start to give back so that we become net positive um, in our actions on the planet. So, yeah, there's kind of a funny, um, I suppose, languaging around a lot of the climate um, things that you hear at the moment where we want to get to net zero and, you know, um, net zero carbon or zero emissions. And actually what we want to be doing is, yes, reducing our emissions, but sort of going beyond that and actually having a positive impact rather than just minimising our impact. And I think that just comes back to human nature. We're actually not very good at doing nothing. <laughs> we want to be, we want to contribute our skills and our passions and we want to have an impact. And so it's kind of taking that impact rather than reducing our impact, but putting it towards a good thing. Oh, I just love this so much. And it makes sense when we think of ourselves as like coexisting with our environment, being a part of our environment. It makes sense that we could contribute to it and create with it, like everything on in on earth, for instance. And I'm just confining myself to earth right now, but everything on planet earth is, uh, is creative. Everything, the flowers, the trees, exactly. the animals, we are creative. So it makes sense that we could contribute positively to the environment that we coexist and are a part of exactly yeah yeah seeing ourselves as part of nature mm. yeah yeah and then I mean these principles that you're speaking to really uh, I love how we can apply it to um, so many different systems for instance you know thinking about how can we take a regenerative um, approach to being a woman in business or just simply to the way we uh, work in our businesses too. Um, so I really love that concept of not just trying to, it's kind of like, you know, how we say we don't want to just survive, we want to thrive. It's that concept mm -hmm. too. Like we can all like just get by in life, but surely life is about so much more than that. And it's about us actually really thriving, which does include contributing positively to the world that we live in. At least that's the way I look at it. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. That's the exact same principle. <laughs> cool. So, okay, so when we talk about regenerative leadership, is this what you're speaking to, the idea that we are um, not just trying to break even or build, sort of um, enabling that house of cards system we all seem to think that we're in and instead we're really positively contributing to the environment? Yeah, exactly. It's... um probably in a very similar way if we're thinking about um, the worldview difference of seeing us as controlling nature versus us as being a part of nature. Mm -hmm. It's that same kind of power difference that we're looking at when we're talking about regenerative leadership. So if you took it to, um, and we're always talking about complex living systems here, so like, uh, in, you know, nature is a complex living system. Um, likewise, an organisation is also a complex system and it's, mm -hmm. you know, not quite living in the same way, but it is always evolving. So we can um, liken it to a living system. So when we're talking about regenerative leadership, what we're talking about is not having um, a leader who sort of sees themselves as in control of the organisation. Mm -hmm. So whenever we're trying to control a living system, um, the living system will at some point begin to break down. 
So what we want to do is rather than sort of trying to control the direction of something or like the direction of our team or the direction of an organisation, that we're actually allowing the system to be more like a living system. And so a really great analogy for a lot of people is to think about the organisation as a garden. You know, we can't sort of like point at a flower and try and force it to grow. But what we can do is plant it in a place where it gets enough light and enough water um, and it has enough nutrients in the soil to be able to help it to thrive. And in creating the conditions for growth and for thrive, then we're actually able to sort of nurture that growth and encourage um, encourage a state of thrive in the organisation as well. Mm. And so it's kind of we're using the same principles when we deal with well-being from our own state because we're looking at a living system internally when we're thinking about yeah. our bodies. We're also looking at when you're designing, like what is the living system that you're actually designing something for, whether that's, you know, a community or a place-based um, uh, project. And then with leadership, you're tending to look more at the actual community that you're a part of or, or the organisation. So, um yeah, being able to create the conditions for thrive and we would tend to use the word thrive rather than growth um, mm. because, you know, as we know, we can't we can't have endless growth on this yeah. planet. We have mm-hmm. planetary boundaries. So it's actually like shifting the way that we think about that to a state of thrive rather than a state of growth. Mm. Although, of course, we're always looking at developing. <laughs> so there's kind of a balance, like we're evolving as human beings and as place, but we're not um, we're not doing growth for growth's sake, which is, mm-hmm. you know, definitely a narrative of the current global culture um, yeah. that we kind of want to step away from. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess it depends how we also define growth, um, because I think when I personally, when I speak about growth in business, I think about personal growth, you know, growth in my mindset, growth. It doesn't need to be necessarily all of the results, but that's true if you're thinking about growth the way that most people talk about it. It's like this growing and growing and growing bigger and bigger and more and more and more system rather than um, maybe a more refined system. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, that's really yeah. powerful. So, hang on, you said you'd use the word thrive versus growth. Was that right or was it drive? Thrive. Yeah, yeah good. It was thrive. Okay, awesome. Yep. I love that so much. So, developing, thriving, um, and evolution are the terms that you prefer to sort of work to. Yeah, I think just because um, we have ideas, particularly when you're talking about something that's in design or leadership, where Mm -hmm. we have ideas about what growth means, and they typically come from a sort of neoliberal economic context. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's kind of not a system that I suppose regenerative practices um, would want to perpetuate. So yeah, just being conscious of the language of like, what are we actually trying to achieve? And um, growth for everybody is not really possible because we do have limited resources in terms of Mm -hmm. like actual physical resources on the planet. So if, you know, one country is growing, it's probably because they're taking resources from a different country. So we're Mm -hmm. actually just, you know, how can everybody be in a state of thrive rather than growth um, Mm -hmm. is kind of a more, I suppose, um, equitable way of looking at it. Yeah, well, it's a really, um, in terms of energy, a feminine um, way of looking at the world and leadership. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, about the community thriving as a whole. I love this so much. Okay, so (laughs) can can you tell us a little bit more? I know you spoke to it briefly um, when you just introduced yourself, but I'd love to know a little bit more about like how you got involved in this area. I love it that you were in in yoga and meditation and then you had your professional background. But what was that moment where this um, idea of regenerative leadership for you really took place? Um. It's a great question. It's probably a long string of different moments over time (laughs) rather than one sort of key moment. But some of the things that have sort of pointed me in this direction, I think, um, 
quite naturally, I was always actually drawn to a more regenerative design way of thinking, um, which is kind of, you know, looking at systems. Um, it, you know, m- people might be most familiar with the idea of permaculture, which is, you know, mm-hmm. designing for a permanent culture. So um, how do we actually recycle um, water and waste and energy in buildings and things like that? Um, that really fascinated me from pretty much day one of my architectural studies. And I wove it into all of my projects. Um, in fact, it was usually the defining feature of my projects was that they would be recycling and using resources in really clever and sensitive ways. They would be really responsive to place. Um, you know, they would sort of take on board like how um how the environment works in that place and how to actually have active people with active buildings as opposed to passive people with, you know, active buildings. Um, And what I mean by that is just that people are conscious that, hey, it's actually really hot today, but if I open this window and close that window, I get a bit of a cross breeze because that's the way that the breeze is coming today. Or I can, you know, change these shutters and open this window and then I'll start to heat up the floor because I've got thermal mass designed in my building. Um, What we have now is kind of dumbed down buildings where we just use air conditioning and, you know, um, (laughs) internal Mm. lighting to actually control the environment. And again, it's that idea of control Mm. rather than being responsive to what's actually happening in the world around us. Um, where we can sit, you know, in Sydney, it's berserk that we can sit <laughs> in an office building in the middle of summer and people will have cardigans on because yes. we you know, um, condition the air so much as opposed to actually acknowledging that it's a 35 degree day outside and maybe, you know, we could let some of that um, heat in and wear different clothing and we'd be okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love so, that. <laughs> Yeah, so this kind of puzzled me when I then did a lot of architectural presentations as we do at the end of every semester about, you know, the design that you or your group have been working on. And I had one particular tutor who made a comment to one of my designs um, and they said, but what's the actual design intent? And I was like, well, it's responsive to its place and its environment. And they were like, but that's not a design. Um, And... I was just really perplexed by that because, you know, years later, (laughs) here we are and, you know, climate change is more and more real um, for us and particularly Australia, we're going to be one of the worst hit developed nations. Obviously, there are more underdeveloped nations who will be even worse than us. But, um, you know, it kind of shocked me that people who were in an educational role we're not caring about these things and not even not caring, but actually belittling them Mm. as like, why would you focus on developing these skills or designing a building in this way? Shouldn't you be more thinking about, you know, really mentalizing or like theorizing what the role of the building is in this society and things like that. Um, Mm. And I kind of thought, well, I am doing that. And this is my response to that. You know, the building should be part of its environment and should be able to function in a way that minimizes um, its like physical impact, but also maximizes its impact in terms of how people use the space and how the Mm. community is drawn to that space. And, you know, it might have other ongoing effects, like people are really happy or inspired when they're there. And then that creates a ripple effect through society. Mm. So it's kind of like a few of moments like that over time, um, that I just kind of realised like, hey, I actually think I'm onto something that's a bit different to what is being taught in the schools. Um, And then kind of realised that like when I got out into practice, everything is always about the bottom line in the development Mm -hmm. industry. (laughs) Nobody is altruistically designing good buildings. Mm -hmm. Um, They're all doing it to, you know, make the maximum dollar, which, you know, is that's that's the way that the world has been. So um, it's that's just the way it is at the moment. Um, so I just kind of realised that there was a bit of a gap in terms of how people are actually thinking about things and the skill set that's required for that. Um, and actually the skill set is kind of 
as you said before, it's a very feminine leadership way of being where you actually need to be soft and create space for exploration and not think that everybody knows the answer or even worse, that we could copy the answer from somewhere else and paste it here. Mm. Um, It's something that we do a lot. You know, if you go around any major city in the world, the towers kind of all look the same. They're not responsive to place. They all use air conditioning. They all use artificial lighting. And it just becomes about that particular architect's expression of ego as opposed to Mm. an actual expression of the people and place in that area. Oh, I love this. I guess that uh, (laughs) having more space in our life in order to be, to reimagine what is in front of us is really important to be able to do that. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, it's really teaching the ability to, in a boardroom sort of setting, in a corporate setting, how do you hold place for things like, hold space for things like meditation Mm -hmm. or open inquiry about like, oh, well, why can't we do something that's a little bit different? (laughs) You know, why does it have to be the way that everybody else does it in, you know, Paris, New York, Rome, whatever? Yeah, so working on those soft skills, which is where the leadership side of it comes in. I love this so much. I I I just feel that this is first of all, I love that you seem to have the confidence to follow your instincts here. Um, I'm not sure how old you were when you're going through this moment with um the professor that you were working with on your project, but to be able to like not have that opportunity for leadership squashed there is very mm-hmm. special. And I think that so many of um, of us, people listening to this episode and your friends and family, like we've all got stories where we've seen an opportunity to lead. We've seen an opportunity for innovation, something that we feel like, why are we doing like, why is it happening in this way? Like, I have a different idea about this, a different angle. And um, depending on the confidence you have within yourself, the relationship you have with the conversations that you're having around the topic, it's very easy for those ideas to be squashed. I know that this might not be something you've really thought about, but I would love to know, was there anything, like, what really helped you to follow your instincts there? What was it? Great question. Um, I actually think that doing yoga a lot gave me a huge amount of courage. Um, and like I I did a proper boot camp induction into mindfulness meditation of 45 minutes a day for eight weeks. Um, and it, like it radically changed my perception of myself and my ability to be confident in different settings. So I was working in a job that was um, underpaying me and stressing me out. And I, you know, after meditating for a few weeks, I actually had the confidence to approach my boss about it. And he said that he wasn't going to change anything. So I left and then found a job that I got a 20K increase in um, immediately and was much more able to actually, you know, influence policy decision-making and things like that literally because I'd been sitting in silence and Mm. connecting to that truth within myself that is like, actually, we don't need to listen to the status quo here. There are better ways. And I'm sure there are organisations out there that actually care about doing things in better ways. And it was kind of like a a state of trust, I suppose, that I had been in myself to be able to to do that. Mm. So cool. So, Jamie, I I just could ask a million questions about this topic, but I will (laughs) constrain myself. So, what? okay, anyone who's listening to the episode right now, including me, who would love to get started with regenerative leadership or taking a more regenerative role in their leadership, what what are three ways they could get started? Yeah, so I've already mentioned one of them, which is creating the conditions. So creating the conditions for Thrive, um, being really conscious about how, you know, imagining your system as a garden and just noticing, like, how do I actually attend to different parts of it and encourage different plants or encourage different people, as it may be, to actually thrive in in the setting? You know, what do I need to help them with? How can I support people to actually um, to see the vision and the values of what's actually happening here? 
Mm-hmm. Um, like the, the, the three that I'll offer up are probably very similar ways to different ways to get into the same state of being. So um, the second one is to focus on relationships rather than outcomes or, um, yeah, the things that you're doing. So we actually want to encourage deeper listening, encourage people to bring their full selves to work um, Mm -hmm. or to the project or whatever you're doing where, and I know this is something that your, um, you know, framework sort of uh, includes Mm -hmm. as well, is like being yourself because Mm -hmm. in regenerative practice we actually look at like what is the essence of this place or this project or this person that with their essence lit up and contributing will actually help to encourage diversity in different ways, excuse me, of looking at things. And so we want to encourage everybody to actually feel safe enough to bring their essence to work um, or to the project, whatever it is that you're looking at. Mm. And the last one is um, an idea that, uh, you know, regenerative practice has. So um, I've learned one particular type of wording from one group, which is the Regenesis group in the United States. But also this is an idea that Simon Sinek um, champions as well. And Simon Sinek calls it the finite mind versus the infinite mind. And the Regenesis group calls it end state versus end goal. So what we're looking at here is um, the idea that we're if we're talking about end state versus end goal, we're not trying to get to the goal as fast as possible and achieve this and then move on to the next one, which, you know, I think we can all attest to we've experienced that in <laughs> our schooling or in our the ways that we work. But mm-hmm. it's actually saying like what rather than an, an end goal that we're working towards, why don't we cultivate instead an end state? So what is the end state that we're actually trying to achieve? And it might be, you know, we want to encourage a better, you know, a stronger community from this library project that we're working on. Mm. Um, So you could actually say, well, before we even build the library, is there a way that we can cultivate the end state in the community? Like how do we actually build that sense of community without the building even being there in the first instance? Mm. If you're talking about like on an organisational level, how do we hold team meetings or how do we actually create a work vibe that allows people to feel however we actually wanted to feel if we had achieved the goal um, and kind of bring people along on that journey so that we're cultivating how we're, how we're actually behaving rather than just the objective, um, you know, end result that we're looking for. Yeah. So this to me, that when I think about the difference between a goal versus an, in, an intention, Um, this is almost the way that I see intention. I know there's lots of different meanings for intention, but the way I see it is the, um, the journey that we're creating and like, how does it shape the goal that you're working towards? So for me, if I was, for instance, like my goal was to build a library, if the thing that's most important is that library has a sense of community around it, the process for creating that library would be an exploration of that community um, along the journey rather than just expecting the like the library building to then create that sense of the community like it would be something I would be infusing in the whole journey of creating that particular end result so that's the way I look exactly at, yeah goal versus intention and it's also the pieces that you can directly have an impact on like the actual end outcome is usually something so much further away but how could I cultivate a sense of community today in my actions is something that you can see you can have a direct impact on exactly love it absolutely yeah cool so was there anything else you wanted to speak to about that last one Jamie yeah I suppose just the last thing is that um Leadership is not a position, like <laughs> it doesn't have to be, you know, we, you don't have to be in a position of power or authority to be a leader. And in fact, regenerative leadership kind of is everybody's job rather than one person's job. Uh-huh. So um, not ever letting your position or your title um, hold you back from actually just practicing leadership. Yes, yes, being self-leadership, being the leader within your life, within 
it because it's really about taking um taking ownership of your ability to impact your relationships your environment your your own personal life and and journey that you're on like if we can move into that self-sovereignty which recognizes the self-sovereignty in everybody else then we all would actually um, care more about what is happening in situations that may not directly involve us absolutely Mm. yeah yeah it's just like take action exactly where you are don't wait another five years until you have a you know, director or manager or whatever in your title. Yeah. (laughs) It's just start now where you are. Yep. Give yourself the permission. This is very cool. I love, 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 love (laughs) this so much. And I just love it because we're looking at this from a different, these are a lot of the principles that I've been sharing on the podcast since I started it, to be honest. And Mm. I love seeing how um, we can apply these to any area of life. Like this is the, this is the thing. I really believe that um, we all have the opportunity to create, have such a beautiful and positive impact on the world through wherever you're called. You have a gift that you, your gift is your ability to see an opportunity for leadership, an opportunity for evolution. And when we can trust that and trust that, okay, I can see that for a reason because I, you know, have something to contribute here. It benefits everybody in that environment, the conversation, the discussion. It doesn't mean you need to have all of the answers, but having the willingness to actually participate in that conversation is what creates really meaningful change for everybody. Exactly. Okay, Jamie. So let's talk now about your mastery of regenerative practice, which is your program in place philosophy. Um, And I want to hear a little bit about what you've learned since birthing and validating that amazing program. Yeah. So um, what have I learned I've learned that consistency is really important for me um, and that my particular personality, I think I'm a manifesting generator, I get really excited about something and then I want to move on to the next thing and get excited about that. And so actually learning about the ways that I have to work, um, to ride those waves of inspiration and sort of capture my content and... um, you know, like bring the videos and things that I'm doing into life is to actually be able to create space around those times when I am inspired. Um, however, that hasn't really fit with my <laughs> my schedule because <laughs> I have a full-time job um, and I'm doing my place philosophy program on the side of that. And so I have time allocated every week where I just have to diligently show up And then try and allow myself to actually tap back into that sense of inspiration that I've had if, you know, if I haven't felt that it's there on that day. Um, And Mm -hmm. so actually really putting boundaries around this is the time of day of of the week rather where I will create the content and, um, you know, put all of these systems into place, whether or not I'm feeling like it. Um, Mm. is something that I've really had to lean into and learn about myself. Um, It's an ongoing journey with social media and showing up in that same way. But, um, yeah, I think just actually being really consistent. What has also been amazing is the response that I've received from people after putting the Mastery of Regenerative Practice program out into the world. So, um, yeah, kind of actually starting to promote it and tell people that this is what I'm doing and here's the need that I see in the community and here's my response to it, um, has just received such epic feedback from people of like, wow, this is so needed and, you know, so such an amazing um, offering. And unless I had actually had the courage, you know, as you say, to sort of like put myself Mm -hmm. out there and, you know, state, put a stake in the ground and say, like, here's what I stand for. Um, It just, like, I wouldn't have had that experience. So, like, actually putting yourself out there and giving voice to the dreams and the desires and the crazy ideas that you have in your head is, like, (laughs) is the work (laughs) to actually put it out there and then see how people respond. Um, Mm. Yeah, which has been wild. 
Well, I think what's really important about what you say there is that not only did you share it, but you also spoke to why you created this, mm. what, what the need was that you're responding to. And I think that sometimes we just assume that like everybody who might be interested in this offer would just get that. Mm-hmm. But it's really important to paint that picture for your community because it was we can't often bridge that gap ourselves. You know, we've all got, we're all making assumptions about each other. You've really got to paint the picture for people. Like, and what that's doing as well is fueling your program and your offer with a very specific intention, which means that people who match that intention um, are going to be called to that program and that offer rather than people who don't, because it could support many different people, but they may have a different intention out of doing the program. And you really want people who are going to match that intention. I, I really feel like that's where the magic is mm. when it comes to business. Mm-hmm. It's like not necessarily about, um, but the intention is what is always most important with everything that we're doing, every email we send, every offer we put out there, like the small actions and the bigger actions we're doing in our business. And that's what I really hear from what you've just shared there. Mm, exactly. Yeah. I love it. And so we're talking about launching this amazing program while you have a very successful uh, leadership role and career. And so I know that we've also had a little talk about what some of the work in progress is for you around your business, because you've had an amazing journey in business so far. You've birthed your program, you've validated it, you've had a great response, you've been navigating, okay, what what does this mean for how I show up in a way that is consistent and sustainable and allows you to thrive? Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's also been, you've been going through an identity evolution can you tell us a little bit more about that <laughs> that journey that you've been on and what you've learned? Yeah, absolutely. It's actually one of the um, one of the lessons that we go through in the program is that before every sort of breakthrough, there's a breakdown, and that's a very yogic concept. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of the nature of the universe, actually, <laughs> is to have this constant evolution and constant change cycle. And that, you know, on the if we're looking to achieve something, there's always got to be something that kind of gives or breaks down or that we use to kind of like compost into the new thing. Um, and so in a way, it's kind of the thing that I am still maybe it's a work in progress is how I'm actually letting go of one identity that I've built up over like 10 years now. Um, or even longer in terms of like my professional role in the built environment industry and sort of having, you know, a whole LinkedIn network that knows me in this very particular way, um, a, you know, a role at work, which is very particular in the way that we deal with things. And then kind of allowing myself to simultaneously be in this other birthing stage without, without being able to let the first one die. So, like, you know, mm. you can't sort of, um, which, you know, I have done in the past, which is amazing when you do an, a full 360 identity evolution of like, okay, I'm not that person mm-hmm. anymore. I'm going to completely change and then go over here and start this new thing. Um, so what I'm yeah dancing with at the moment is how you actually weave elements of that into the newness rather than just having to expect that it all breaks down um Mm. so more practically I suppose what does that actually mean (laughs) rather than just speaking in the energetics of it is like how (laughs) how do you actually show up on a weekly basis when your full-time job is actually really demanding and you know there might be unforeseen circumstances where you know all of a sudden you have more duties in your full-time role or whatever that's happening um you know we've gone through a global pandemic how does how is work responding to that and I suppose it's kind of actually leaning into your practices um which is what we do in the first season of the mastery of regenerative practice we get our lifestyle medicine in place which is you know actually operating with the rhythms of the day the rhythms of the season um how you're eating, which is based on place and all of these sorts of things to actually just fuel the most basic needs of your body to then help your nervous Mm -hmm. system be grounded in that and then be able to dance between the two identities um, simultaneously. 
So mm. yeah, it's still a work in progress because I'm not sure what the outcome looks like yet as I yeah <laughs> move away sort of from the full-time role and then kind of move more into the business. Um, I'm curious to see like how, yeah, what the next um, evolution of that actually is. But having all of the structures mm. in place to support me has been um, has been really, really important. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love this because what we're what what you're showing through your journey is that there are like chapters within that journey. Mm. You don't have to go from zero to one hundred, do the full three sixty, like you said. It's like first of all, you've really sat with building your business. Uh, birthing your program, your core program, validating that core program and doing that alongside being in your full-time job in a career that you really care about and have created a lot of um, success and purpose through and holding both of those, the newness and the established career that you're in while also being in a pandemic um, and in lockdown and things like that. Jamie lives in Sydney like I do at the moment and then now being in this, okay, so what's that next evolution of this? And how does that affect the way that I look at myself and my identity? It is, it's so fascinating because I, I did the 360. I was like, lawyer, that's it. I'm leaving. And I went um, straight into my business. Mm. And so I, but I still had that identity evolution. It was it was a bit of a crisis because it, it, even though I've made the external changes on the outside, I still saw myself as a lawyer and still um, saw myself in the corporate world and was used to all those conditions that I didn't want to bring into the business. So really you're still going through, I guess, the energetic journey, even if you do uh, change the external circumstances, that mm. evolution is still happening. And it's a it's a really fascinating journey to be on and a one I think we just need to give ourselves a lot of spaciousness with. Mm, absolutely. And kind of um, be kind and be in relationship mm. with the evolution as well rather than expecting it to yeah. be one way or the other, but just constantly checking in and being like, how is this? going? How am I feeling about where this is headed? And I think, you know, as I'm mm. sure that you would have too, is that you kind of have a really clear idea about where you desire to be in terms of how you want it to feel and what you, purpose you want it to serve. But the details of what it looks like on a day-to-day -day might be a little bit different or hazy sometimes. So it's just like allowing yourself to actually be led by that inner, um, inner desire, really. Yeah. And uh, linking back to what you were speaking to before about needing to, um, you know, show up and, and be consistent, even when you don't have the inspiration or you don't feel like doing it that day, like that learning that you've had for yourself in that exploration of consistency is something that has evolved over time and will continue to evolve. And I think that that's what we need to we all need to really think about when it comes to our business, like just don't expect I'm going to get this right, right away. And then it's always going to work for me in this way, because that's just unrealistic. The The way things work for you now may need to change later. Like they most likely will change. And it's about that constant exploration, that constant checking in and learning, like, does this, is this actually working? And like, what is that balance between the feeling good? And then also like, the um, the actions I want to take or the outcome I want to create here. And that's not something anyone can give you like a prescription for. It's like mm. a constant um, self-inquiry. Totally. Yeah. Constantly being in relationship with it. Yeah. Yes. I love that term in relationship. Yes. Okay. So uh, Jamie, just when it comes to validating your offer, is there what what would you say was the number one thing that really supported you with that part of your business journey? For me, I need accountability. And so um, when I launched the program, I actually tapped some colleagues and friends on the shoulder and said, hey, would you guys mind being a guinea pig group for me? And so I did one full season um, with people who you know, have sort of come in um, at a very discounted rate so that I didn't feel a huge amount of pressure, but I felt enough pressure to have to show up and create the content and start to run them through the program. And um, 
And then just the consistency. So actually putting ads out, getting people into the program, um, signing people up, and then just continuing to show up. But really having the that first group that kind of held me accountable to continuing to do the work um, was really, really helpful and something that I needed. Um, I can't remember what it is. I think it might have been one of the things that you take us through at the beginning of the mistress mind of like what you're, whether you're internally or externally motivated. Um, and I'm definitely mm-hmm. externally motivated. <laughs> like I need. Yeah. The- oh, you mean. The expectations <clears throat> quiz. I think so. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. I yeah. need to show up for other people. If I set myself the goal, yeah. I probably won't do it. But if somebody else knows that I've set the goal and they, you know, are sort of expecting that of me, then I will show up and do it. So kind of, yeah, actually yes. like hacking the mindset of like, okay, I need to get accountability in place here so that I actually do the thing. Yes. And I love that because I think sometimes we think, oh my gosh, there's just something wrong with me. I'm not, I'm not a motivated person. I'm not self-motivated. Like, but it's, it's just working out what do you need to help yourself to move forward? And let's just get the support for that. Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, I know if there's anything I want to create in my life, I work with people. Like I have a container for it. For instance, I would much prefer to go to a yoga class than to do a yoga class on my own. I can do the yoga class on my own. I've been practicing for 10 plus years. I can do my own flows and and whatever. I can go online and do a, a work with an online teacher, but I love being in class. And so I, I make that a priority of mine to, to go to classes and, um, and I don't tell myself, well, you're just like lazy, you're not motivated, you're not disciplined. It's just like, no, I know that if I want to commit to something, I need, th- this is the way that I really thrive in doing it. And so I g- give myself those resources. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, Jamie, I also would love to speak about your experience in The Mistress Mind and also working with me uh, through this journey of your business. Could you let everybody know how working in The Mistress Mind container supported you in this chapter of your beautiful business? Absolutely. So um, one of the things that I loved the most was actually doing the holistic business strategy or plan. <gasps> oh my gosh, you're kidding. But, um, <laughs> Yay, I love it. That was your favorite. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> because I think because I'm a planner, yeah. um, I love having the strategy about where I'm going and kind of it really helped me to hone in and set my intentions, which I already kind of had, but I don't think I'd ever written them out in such a structured way. Mm -hmm. Um, And then kind of going through, well, how does that align with, you know, the different aspects of my personality and um, like putting together a plan for, you know, so I do a once a month free talk and, you know, invite people to come along to that. And then how do I actually invite people to stay in the community and then maybe become part of the program and et cetera. Um, Having that in place and then letting that be a decision that I don't need to change because my mind loves going back and questioning things (laughs) unnecessarily. (laughs) So actually having that there is like, nope, this is the strategy, just continue to work it. Um, was really, really helpful. Mm. And that has been super successful, actually. So I'd say that was my my, my most favourite thing. Um, and then after that, just like the general community gatherings and the, um, the Telegram thread, I just found the support that's offered by a group of women who are so like-minded is absolutely amazing. Mm. Um, And it just felt like, as you say, like a container that could really help me to birth um, the program through the, those sort of like wobbly moments (laughs) of thinking, what am I doing? And, you know, how, like, who am I to put it out there? But actually getting the 
support from everybody, um, you know, on a daily basis or on a weekly basis for the live calls was just really transformative. Mm. So, yeah, they're probably my favourite aspects of it. I love that you, so basically the uh, the document that Jamie's talking about is the holistic business map that I get everybody to create at the start of The Mistress Mind. And it's one that a lot of my clients have a ton of resistance to creating, but it's also the one thing that once they've done that, I see a huge shift in uh, how they show up in their business. And for a lot of people, they do have very quick results. And the reason for that is because you suddenly are giving everything that you do and spend your time on in your business a purpose. And you're also able to stop thinking about all of the other things that you could be spending your time on. Instead, it's like, I actually have an entire overview of my business. I know every single thing that I'm doing in the business and why I'm doing those things in the business. And it sets you up to learn from yourself, which is the only way we create our strategies that allow us to thrive and give us the results that we're working towards, which is serving people in our business too. So that process, it was that document. I didn't have a business plan or anything in my business for for a number of years. That document was something that I then created and birthed through creating it for myself and then seeing how much spaciousness and ease it gave me with my business because suddenly I too knew everything that was going on, why I was doing the things and I was able to leave everything else. And it was um, hugely transformative. So that's where that document was birthed. And, um, And then in relation to the community gatherings, I think what Jamie, you're speaking to there is also in those gatherings and the Telegram group that we've got, it also allows for that continued accountability too, which is supportive of how you um, move forward in your business as well. And so you can utilize, you know, these spaces in a way that works for you. Some people, um, they they use it for the inspiration and the energy they get from coming into the calls. Like I'm thinking about some of my projector clients, they love to come into this space and then get their like energy uptick and then go away and create with that. Um, and then for others, it's, you know, the accountability for other people. It's like just being in a, a supportive space where you get to feel like you're not alone in your business. And I think it's so beautiful to think about this beyond the mistress mind, but community in general across our life, just the different purposes it can serve for all of us and how helpful that is when it comes to leading in our businesses and life. Well said. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's probably little moments of all of those things, really. Um, Yeah, you take what you need each week, but yeah, it's really, really a great container. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for being a part of The Mistress Mind. And thank you, Jamie, for coming on and sharing about your business journey and everything that you've created and sharing with us about regenerative leadership. You've really uh, inspired me today. And I know so many of our amazing uh, people listening have also been really inspired. So, Jamie, can you let everybody know where they can continue to connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, my website is placephilosophy.com.au or via Instagram with the handle place.philosophy. Beautiful. So everybody reach out to Jamie, say hello. If you want to continue the conversation with us, just send us both a DM over on Instagram or you can take a screenshot of you listening to the episode and tag us both in what your realizations have been or any questions you've got. And we'd love to keep up this conversation with you all. So Jamie, thank you once again for coming on and thank you for being you. <laughs> Such a pleasure. Thank you for being you too, Letitia. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it, my beautiful friends. A big thank you once again to Jamie for coming on and sharing all about her business journey and the topic of regenerative leadership with us all. Now we have in the show notes a link to a three-part workshop that Jamie has available to everyone for free called Cultivating the Ecological Self. It's a practice that orients both self and planet towards thrive. So if you're longing to become more connected to your bioregion and feel a deeper sense of overall well-being, then go ahead and download a copy of this practice for yourself. 
I also want to encourage you all to continue this conversation with both Jamie and I over on Instagram. So come and follow us and take a screenshot of you listening to the episode right now and let us know what your aha moments were and let's continue the conversation together. Also, please find the post that shares this episode on my Instagram and go and give some Jamie some love, celebrate her and let her know how appreciative you are of her sharing all of her thoughts on the topics of conversation today. If you are looking to validate a signature offer for your business, I can help you right now with that over in my program, Validated. You can go to LetitiaRinge.com forward slash validated and join us right away today. If you don't yet have one signature offer in your business that is bringing in 10K in revenue or more, this is the only problem to solve in your business and it makes everything else off there on so much easier for you and your business. So go ahead, check out the details and sign up today. If you would also like to be a part of our holistic business mistress mind, which is my signature mastermind for business owners who are ready to take their business to the next level, make sure your name is on the wait list. We will let you know as soon as a place opens and you can do that at LetitiaRinge.com forward slash mistress mind. All right, my beautiful friends, I look forward to seeing you in our next episode. I hope you're all so well. I'll talk to you later.